dude, absolutely incredible. I know I think I've typed this like three or four times now, but just amazing. How do you feel from that? I mean, feel good. Um, you know, the, uh, I think actually in an odd way, the, the harder transition was when we did the change from 100 to 200 miles. I actually felt worse waking up after a 200 mile ride in the heat than I did the day after I woke up, uh, in this ride. And I think cause you know, your plan had it sort of stair stepped up uh, mm-hmm. over the summer. So I don't think that even though the, even though the big end numbers were getting bigger, the steps were getting smaller. Okay. Um, so That's I think a good, that, see, this is a good man. And I mean, I don't know if we ever talked about this. I, I've ridden long rides. I've never had somebody come to me and be like, Hey, I mean, I, I remember you emailed me in April and you're like, so I want to do this ride at a NT444. And I'm like, what does that stand for? Oh my God, 444 miles. <laughs> like this is, does this guy know what he's getting himself into? Um, yeah, that's why I, I, I don't know if I did or not, but uh, I knew, I knew enough to know that I wanted to reach out and get some help. And actually, um, you know, one of the reasons I reached out to you is, uh, your posts, I'd read a bunch of them online. Um, and they were so uh, detailed and informative. And I, and I read about your 250-mile ride. Okay. Um, and, and, and so I saw those things. And I was like, wow. And I saw just how much you enjoyed it. And then I looked at some of your training on Strava and saw that, you know, you have, you know, obviously a tremendous history of what I consider really long rides. So I figured, well, if there's any. And I, plus, I like the fact that you're in Tennessee. I know you're from upstate New York. Originally. Yeah, don't hold it against me. Yeah, well, hey, I moved here. Uh, I moved here from Boston 30 years ago. I uh, met my wife hiking in Vermont. And uh, my early career in Tennessee, I was a prosecutor in the DA's office here. And the story I used to tell people is all marriages are 50-50. My wife moved to Boston for one year, and then I moved to Tennessee for the rest of my life. There you so, go. I'd, uh, but now I saw that. I saw you know, upstate New York, and then you're in uh, the Memphis area. I thought, this is great. You're, you would know, uh, you know, you would know the areas, and you certainly would know the trace. And um, and then you had that expertise. So that's, it was a very conscious decision to reach out to you. Cool. That's awesome. Well, it was, you know, I'd reached out to a couple guys that had either done Ram or coached people who had done Ram and cause there are different like philosophies. And one thing through my own training of trying to do, um, this gravel, uh, Iowa wind and rock last year was 350 miles. And when I first got into gravel, I was thinking like, so these are really long races. No one really had been doing eight, nine hour races. And uh, a lot of people that we talked to probably a couple years ago, they're like, yeah, you know, it's probably like a lot of sweet spot, like below threshold. And it turns out these gravel races are the exact opposite. And we're all coming back and realizing like, it's really more all around cyclists. You've got to be able to go hard. Like you're hitting these hills early on. You've got to get over things. And the more I talk to other people that had experience with this, I'm like, this guy really needs to be a good overall cyclist, which, you know, build the FTP. That's going to be a huge thing. Get you to do these back-to-back rides that you did. I mean, you're talking about, uh, I was going through the calendar. Um, you know, July was big. You had an 11-hour, a 16-hour, back-to-back, six-hour rides. Like, you put in the work, which was just awesome to see. And then I do want to hear about, how you mentally felt, I think I have an idea because the next day you rode six hours and you're right back on the horse. But when the battery died in August, was that just so we, <laughs> we you just write that off as like, uh, whatever? Or were you like, this, like, I almost feel like that was a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, it was a good thing. Um, I had had a busy uh, week at work. And uh, so I think that even though I, I thought I had prepared myself for it, I obviously forgot to charge. Um, it, I ride on a Madone and it has a, it's got a power meter charger on the uh, bike, but it's also got the, uh, um, the DI2 charger. And I forgot to charge the DI2 and it just, you know, it's one of those things you don't have to charge that often. It's one of those. Yeah. I would have, I would have thought I had done it, but yeah. So I got out there and, it, and when I went, uh, I was, I ended up riding, uh, you know, like whatever, 60 miles that day. And it started raining. It actually, there was a thunderstorm as I was coming up, with, which is the first checkpoint on the ride. It's like 55 miles. So there's lightning, which was really kind of close and unsafe. It's pouring rain. I've lost the battery. And uh, Dawson, my crew, is sitting underneath his, the awning of his van. And he says, uh, you know, it could be a lot worse. It could be six weeks from now and this could be happening. <laughs> so there you we, both go. Go, we both laughed and we drove back. and then. Uh, 
just figured, well, let's and 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 having a committed crew guy. I mean, he said, well, we'll just uh, we'll come back next weekend and do it. And I was like, all right, you can do it. And so I think having that um, uh, was good because then I spent the next week. I, I took a little bit off my work schedule and really dialed in on it and double checked everything and then had a really good ride the next week. Really so good. I, and that was, and that was the 300 mile. I 317 think. hours. And yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, what was the total time? Because when we first started chatting, I think you said a goal time was like 32 to 42 hours total time, if I remember correctly. Which- yeah. I, I thought that, um, I thought if everything went right, I could go 30 hours. And then I thought, depending on how much sleep and resting off the bike stuff, it could be 32, 34, you know, the, uh, the Ram qualifier and the sort of cutoff, the cutoff for this event is 44 hours. And, uh, so, so my actual time was 27 hours in 24 minutes of that 24 hours and like five minutes was actual ride time. I mean, you crushed it. Yeah. So it was, it exceeded anything I I thought I could do. Um, and I, you know, I didn't, um, you know, it's such a long distance. I had no, you know, I didn't know real, I didn't know what was realistic. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back, if I look at it, I think the, the, the four splits, the hundred mile splits were pretty consistent in in this ride and they're pretty consistent with what I was doing. Um, you know, a hundred or 200 or 300. So I didn't really drop off that. I mean, the whole idea was like not to fade too much. Yeah. You finished well though. I mean, like, it wasn't like I, you know, you weren't, you were so far from being like, I crawled across the line, like looking at the files, like this guy's still riding. (laughs) Yeah. And the, uh, it was, yeah, it's interesting. The, the, there were definitely lessons learned. Like if if, do it again next year, you know, give it a couple of weeks and decide that. But if I do it again next year, I'm pretty confident I could take an hour off, but just by, I could at least take 40 minutes off just smarter transition stuff. Um, yeah. And then I, I here and there adds up yeah. even on a 10 hour race, let alone uh, going all night long. I mean, the dark, I want to get into that, but first, so I, I yeah. you letting me record this because honestly, sure. yeah. this is like, I hope I'm mean, this feat. It's just so far that even a guy, it might've been Patrick that I coach with. He's like, what do you what do you think about this? Because I was talking about your training and what we were doing, and I'm like, dude, it's just it's really long. He's I think it was maybe in September. I'm like, he's done a 300 mile ride. Once he did that, I'm like, you can gut out 100 miles if you really have to. But what motivated you to first even be like, I'm gonna do? Like, what sparked this interest? Well, it's it's really interesting. I, I'm 58. I turned 59 in December. Um, when I was 18 years old. Um, I decided I wanted to try to run a marathon and ride my bicycle 100 miles. Why I have really looking back on it, no particular idea why. But uh, and it's not I mean, it's not like I was an outstanding high school athlete or anything like that. But I've always enjoyed doing things sort of by myself. Um, so I did. I ran a marathon when I was uh, 17, turning 18, and had a good experience with it. And then um, got a map out, mapped out 100 miles from my house, and rode you know point to point um, with a it was a Schwinn Continental and a, and a knapsack. And uh, <laughs> so I, and so I, so I did that and I, and I really, and really enjoyed it. Um, so over the years, my background's, I've you know, been a runner. And then when I turned 50, I was kid around and say gravity and age caught up with me. I didn't have any serious injuries, but it was one of those things where I just could tell after runs, things are starting to hurt. And, mm-hmm. and I had been a, a recreational cyclist and I had done triathlons when they became popular and that kind of stuff, but I would not been a serious cyclist. So actually a friend of mine, my running partner, um, was uh, dying of cancer and he switched over to uh, cycling. And so we, we started cycling a lot together during the uh, three years that he was going through chemo and treatment and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and, we, and we had been running partners for 30 years. So that got me into, um, that got me into the cycling and more seriously. And then I just sort of added more and more to it. And um, I, I don't know where I first heard of the NT444, uh, but I liked the idea of doing something longer and individual. Um, and the, the trace is relatively close by, you know, three hours away. And so I went last summer and rode a couple hundred mile back-to-back days and just the beauty of the place. I mean, it's, you yeah. know, it's no commercial vehicles, uh, no dogs, no stop signs, and no Walmarts as it says on the, on the race application. And so you just kind of, you can kind of lose yourself. So last summer, I thought about it, you know, 
a year ago, but then I thought it was way too far. And then this year in May, I, or I guess it was January, I thought I could do it. And then in May, that's when we started, you know, doing the hundred mile back to back. And, uh, when I finished the 200 mile ride we planned in June, my daughter crewed that. I got to the end of that and I told her, there's no way I can do it. <laughs> because the 200 miles and it was just, uh, it, I think it you was told hot. me that. Was too much. Yeah, I said, there's no way. But, um, but I figured, well, just recover and then plan ahead. And then this summer, you know, the July rides, because they were all on gravel. And yeah. so to do some of those, uh, to do some of those longer rides on gravel, um, you know, that gave, I think that gave you just some core strength, uh, that, that, out. and then when, when I got back from July, um, I just mentally, I thought, well, I can do it, you know, just, but just, you know, be realistic about your expectations. And it's when I rode the, uh, 300 miles in 17 hours, that's when I said, well, I might be able to do this faster than I thought I could do it. And so I just, you know, using that, uh, those parameters we set up, um, I actually, uh, was able to keep going during the four four four, and it just it's, it worked out. I think even seeing your confidence in doing the back to back rides, like you would do one on Saturday, and then sometimes Sundays would be a little bit faster, or you went a little harder. And I'm like, I think he's gaining confidence in like just hundred miles started becoming like, yeah, I'm gonna go ride a couple hundred mile rides. Whereas to <laughs> most human beings, you train for the hundred mile ride, the hundred miles arm back to back for a 450 mile ride um man it's so awesome it's what were some of the things so you're talking about taking time off in transitions what are some of the pearls because you said there were a lot and there was yeah i mean the unexpected when you told me that temperature brought me back to upstate new york and i like shuddered a little bit oh yeah yeah so i think the the best perspective is the rider i think the experience of the rider is you're looking backwards so you're you're experiencing the event by what you just rode. And then the crew person, a good crew person is looking forward. So this happened several times where like when it got real cold, I mean, it dropped down to, according to my Garmin, it was 39 degrees. According to the car thing, it was 41 degrees. So we went from 75 to 41 in a couple hours. And so Dawson would, he said to me, um, he said, would, you know, do you need to go ahead and uh, you know, put on your longer stuff? And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And of course, so then 15 minutes later, I'm pulling up to the van saying I'm freezing, I'm freezing. So you know, that, that I, I could have saved myself five minutes by just being ahead of that transition. Okay. Same thing about an hour and a half later, uh, he asked me, he said, are you hungry? He said, you're burning a lot more calories than you are on these summer rides. And I was using, uh, you know, mostly liquid spizz and the tailwind. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And literally 15 minutes later, I'm flagging him down saying I'm hungry. So pulled over and then he brought, um, He's got a background in uh, all sorts of trail running and adventure stuff. He's ridden the um, the Continental Divide ride from uh, Banff down to Mexico. So he's got a lot of trail riding experience. And so he had brought along these um, small uh, new potatoes that were uh, cooked and then uh, olive oil, rosemary, and salt on them. And Sounds amazing. apparently the trail runners uh, go crazy over these things. So he gave me one of those. I was like, wow, this is great. And then yeah. uh, – he said, let me put a few in a Ziploc. I'm like, no, I'm good. And I just grabbed a handful and stuffed it in my jersey pocket of these oily potatoes. And Dawson and his wife, just, they were just laughing at me as I took off. But, but that, that turned out to be a, uh, um, a, a real uh, saving thing because all the other rides I had done strictly on liquid nutrition because I felt like it was easier to measure the carbs by the hour because I could just do it by the bottle. But I didn't appreciate how much more, uh, how many more calories I'd be burning in that cooler weather and I could have got myself in real trouble if I didn't have someone looking ahead. And then yeah. the same thing happened in the morning where um, it started warming up because it got up to, you know, in the high seventies uh, on Saturday, it started warming up and I'm still a little chilled from the night. And on one of the transitions, he said, Dawson said, well, go ahead and put on your day riding stuff. I was like, no, I'm too cold. I'm too cold. And 15 minutes later, I'm flag him down to say I'm too hot I'm too hot so I think if I had just listened to him as opposed to I was stuck in my head of looking what I had just experienced the last 30 minutes mm-hmm. um that that's good that would save a lot that's and really that, interesting so it's just you know perspective and then uh, I didn't have a plan to not sleep um we had planned on both so when we had done the 300 mile ride 
uh, since Dawson was there by himself, we made the plan that for, you know, for, since he's, you know, he's driving it 17 or 18 miles an hour, it's hard on him. Um, we did a, like around three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning, a 20 minute um, power nap. Um, so pulled over, turned everything off and literally set the alarm 20 minutes later and then popped up. And it just, it was a, a, a mental reset, complete reset. And it woke up after 20 minutes and was good to go. You fall asleep. So, Oh yeah, I fell asleep and uh, was was out, and the alarm went off. And actually, I was I, I was skeptical. Dawson was believes in these things, and he he's worked with a lot of trail runners, and they they uh, uh, they do it. I was I, I did not think it was. I didn't think I'd fall asleep for one. I thought my legs would just be buzzing, and then two, I thought if I did fall asleep, I'd wake up, you know, like you just <laughs> had three beers or something. Um, but I woke, I popped up, and it felt good, and. And this was on the 300 and it worked. So that was the, we were going to do that at some point if I needed to. But during the 444, um, I felt good. It was a full moon. Um, there was some mist on the ground at night. So really the only time I, I felt groggy was about an hour, hour and a half before sunrise. And we knew we had to ferry around Jackson because the park service had due to traffic around the reservoir. They were going to make us ferry 15 miles. That's why the miles were off and it wasn't 444. Okay. And so our plan was, well, we'll just go ahead. I'll do the nap Why I've got to get in the van for that transition. And that was the plan. But then once we got there, sun was up. I was wide awake. And, you know, there's no way I was going to sleep. So I just ate something while we were in the van. Um, that's, that's really interesting about the nap because intuitively I would also think, like, I don't want to take a 20-minute nap and then have to try and ride again. And even if I'm, like, if my alarm's going off at 5 and I happen to open my eyes at 4.30, I just get up because I don't want to have to get up again. But I yeah. do always think back my sectional volleyball game when I was a senior. We get to the uh, the gym. It's a huge public school gym that we were playing at. And I felt – I don't know if I was just anxious or nervous or whatever, but I was like, I feel really tired. And I went – I got in between the bleachers where your feet go, and I laid down. And I remember my teammate, one of my closest friends, was like, don't go to sleep. You're going to wake up and feel horrible. I'm like, dude, I got to close my eyes. And I fell asleep. <laughs> For 20 minutes, I woke up and I had the best game of my life. So it was like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like you should do it, but it worked. Yeah, no, I th and I think, you know, and I've done some, um, uh, I've done some factual research. There's some research papers on it. I think you'd find it pretty interesting. They call them uh, like uh, cappuccino naps or something like that, where okay. people are actually drinking a cappuccino or taking a caffeine pill before you go down. Because the idea is it takes about 20 minutes for that stuff to get through your system. And you take the nap and you pop up and then you're clear, clear headed. And there's some pretty, there's, there's research that backs it up. Yeah. And there's like so. micro naps where they're talking even seconds or like, I think there was one about like, there's the difference between an eight minute and a 20 minute. I, I think naps are amazing. <laughs> I will take them. Like I, I do think the refresh is huge. And especially now, like working behind a computer so much, if I like stop, sit down, close my eyes, it just, I'm like, okay, I feel a little bit back to normal. Yeah. So what are some other lessons you think maybe that you learned besides listening to the pit crew as opposed to just your head and looking forward? Yeah. And again, yeah, I think it's, and it's again, it's perspective. It's not looking back at what you just did, but you know, trusting somebody looking forward. Um, I think that was uh, trying to think some of the, the other thing. Oh, well the uh, making sure not to go, you know, every, I mean, it seems so uh, elementary, but not going, too hard during that first hundred miles. I mean, all, yeah, you're excited, you're ready to go. Yeah. But every single one of the hills that I hit, I just made sure to back way off. Because in, in this ride, the first 70 to 80 miles is significantly more challenging than the rest of it. It's, um, there's a little over 13,000 feet of climbing in the whole thing. Um, but I knew from doing some of these other rides that if, if I was going a little too high, and, you know, if I was getting too close to the FTP um, during the first 50 or 60 miles, I, you just can't shake that out of your legs. Mm -hmm. And I think just by being conscious and, and watching the power meter and then backing off, I think that that was. And then the other part of it, and, and this is, I mean, obviously you and I have been working on this from the very beginning is not coasting, you know, just continuing to roll. And even on the, you know, I was, I was watching on the easy sections of making sure to keep my, uh, watts high enough on what should have been really e easy mm -hmm. just to keep it within that band and I th that's what's helped me in terms of my overall speed is 
on is, is keeping the keeping the floor higher because um, the relative work you put in to do that is pretty easy mm-hmm. and the benefits are huge and that's why I've noticed uh because I know a lot of I ride with a group of guys around here and uh it's in, it is interesting that you know my overall fitness and just my overall ability to hold a particular pace is you know really taken off in the last um six or eight months in the and one of the guys I ride with was like how can you hold these paces you know, that, that we've never held before and I'm like it's not it's this whole don't coast thing it's yeah like keep keep spinning there keep spinning yeah. I've even had a guy who won uh Fausto is actually down in uh closer to Knoxville I believe and we had raced against each other and he won the collegiate national time trial championship and he was saying one time, he's like, man, these five, six hour rides, that no coasting thing that I read that you tell me to do that I thought was BS. I can't believe how much that works. I mean, even just later in the ride, your legs are just used to pedaling. Whereas if you're, you know, people are amazed when they, when we first start talking and I'm like, look at this ride, you coasted 40%. And they're like, no way, not pop. I'm like, look at, look at what the file says. Like, it, it's yeah. just, you know, we're chatting, we're talking, we're, and it's just when you get your body to just continually work the, I don't know. I'm just the biggest believer of that. Go actually. Well, yeah. Like, I, I'd say that's the, the biggest love hate relationship I have with our training right now is that every time I look at that file afterwards, it's like, there's no way I had that much time. In it's super hard. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a challenge for a lot of people. And I have put in the caveat for I mean, there were some rides where you had descents and climbing. And I've got a couple guys that have like, they're on a mountain and I'm like, dude, don't kill yourself. Um, yeah. So one guy out in Tennessee in signal mountain by Chattanooga, close to you actually, Jay Coleman, he has come to, I think he said about 20, if he hits 20% with all the descents, he feels like he really, because yeah. before he lived in Texas and so he had all flat. So he knows what the deal is. And so I'm going to, I'm actually going to be moving out towards North Carolina within the next year and we'll have many more climbs. So I'm curious to see where my coasting, yeah. my zone one comes down to. So there will be a little asterisk there. But Well, that's funny. Uh, if Jay lives on Signal, that's the same mountain I live on. We'll have to connect. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely have yeah. to connect you guys. That's awesome. Yeah. You moved there but, uh, yeah. a couple months ago, three months ago maybe. So. Okay, yeah. I'll have to reach out. It's a small little community, so I'll have to reach out to them. Yeah, uh, but that, yeah, that, I think that it's, that to me is the uh has been the the biggest change in my training is understanding that and even if it's even if i'm not hitting it that's still a cheat now that's still what i'm working towards mm-hmm. and when i i have to say when i looked at the data the next day after this ride when i saw that there was more time in z2 than it was in z1 over 444 miles and i saw the bars on the graph i'm like that's great that's awesome <laughs> that's, that's what that's what it's after and then um yeah, there are i mean i think I had written down some notes uh, that I put in the training piece file. I'll have to go back and pull them up, but there are just, there are all sorts of things that I wrote down about um, uh, see if you I know, how to break it up. I think that uh, too, you know, I didn't have the miles on like on the screen, the data screen I was looking at. Okay. Um, I didn't have any, so I didn't have the miles on there because uh, I think I thought that that was, that would just be something that would drive you nuts. And then I changed my, um, uh, splits so that I was just getting a split once an hour. So, you know, you get one of those on the Garmin that tells you where you are. So I figured if I got something once an hour, then I'd know more or less where I uh, um, stood on, on, on the, uh, the hour. That's interesting. And I think I'm trying to think if I would do that. Cause when I did 250, I think I might've broken it into two rides because I actually got, I was out and I don't even remember where in Tennessee I was on some new roads and I was at about a, like mile 140, which I've done some longer rides this year, but I remember being at like 140, not knowing where I was. And I don't, my mind, I get more, I like to know where I am. Like some people are like, man, you ride the same routes very often. I'm like, I'm not an explorer. I'm not an adventure. Like I'm out yeah. for Watts and for, that's what I like about this sport. And so when yeah. I was out there, I was kind of like getting a little nervous. And then I think by mile 200, I knew where I like really was. Like, I like to be able to know like, what's 10 miles down the road? What's 20 miles on the road? Where's the yeah, next water stop? So I think I would maybe, I don't know what I would do for that because it has to be a little intimidating. If you look at mile 75 and you know, okay, I've got 300 and 
50 more to go, that might be a little bit of a screw with you in not, in not the right way. Um, yeah, I think that's another reason I think why, I, you know, I, I did a lot of the longer rides on the trace. I mean, there are plenty of places around here to do them, but I just figured, you know, if this is where you're going to be doing the, the, the actual, you know, ride for over 400 miles to, I think I've, since January, I've done that first hundred miles seven times. So mm -hmm. to, for this to be the seventh time and in all sorts of conditions, like that 300 mile ride, um, the first 125 miles of it was in rain. Um, so to have done it in all different conditions. And then last week, the conditions were perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. It was 72 I was saying a prayer for you, man. I was like, oh, that, I mean, that makes a huge difference. Any cyclist knows that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of lived in fear of uh, what it could do. Let me pull, I'm pulling up the training piece file. I can see if I have that. Yeah. Uh, you were talking a few, a uh, few notes about, you know, um, the drinking, maybe, 24 ounces every hour and a half. I don't think yeah, that's Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, that was something that I was curious about um, is that the, the the liquid nutrition, are you familiar with Spiz at all with that, that Spiz stuff? I'm is? not. So, I used to use the Science and Sport. It's just like a regular maltodextrin type drink. Yeah. Um, I use some Torque stuff now, very similar. Um, I was surprised when you, that was your game plan, but you had done it for so long and you had trained this way. And so I wasn't going to throw a wrench in that. I like food, not necessarily real. I like like bars and shoes and things like that. Um, and I do like to drink, but I'm only taking about 40 grams of carbs an hour from liquid. Um, so yeah, but it seemed to work for you. I mean, you were very confident in that. Yeah, and, and that the, what I'd be curious about is I was always worried about you know not having enough liquid in terms of just dehydrating because I know in the summertime I was when I did some of these rides I was drinking at least two bottles an hour Definitely. Uh, and so so this time on the, to do the spiz and then the tail and the tailwind is uh, that stuff that a lot of trail runners use and that, that stuff I like it but if it, it can get kind of syrupy if you if it's too strong. Okay. But the spiz stuff comes in chocolate and vanilla, and it must have been like a meal replacement thing originally. But okay. I, I picked it up. Um, some of the Ram folks have used it as a sole source of uh, nutrition across the country, and it's 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 really good in the sense of you feel satisfied, you don't get hungry with it. And I've never had I've never bonked on any on any ride when I've used it. But my question was, and something I have to play around with, was I drinking too much because I was having one of those, 24 ounces, 45 minutes, and one of the tailwinds, 45 minutes. So two of those in an hour and a half. And I was just surprised at uh, how quickly liquid seemed to be passing through my body. Yeah. Know? And so, hmm. um, and that, that just, I guess, scratched my head. But, but the opposite would be worse, right? If, if, you, if you were behind that curve, you'd probably- If you get behind, it's over. It's game over. So it was 24 ounces of fluid and the spiz or 24 ounces total? Yeah, so the every forty-five minutes, twenty-four ounces. One of those had the spiz in it. One of it had uh, the um, tailwind. Yeah. So it was two. So ninety minutes for uh, two bottles, and uh, I, I think you probably could stretch that to maybe closer to two hours. But I didn't want to. Yeah, I and, I think with two hours, I think that'd be fine. I mean, you did say you were peeing every hour and a half, though, so it was yeah. like it was yeah. going through. Yeah. Um, it was definitely going through, and I was wondering how much time am I losing doing this. And I'm I'm probably you know, I'm a little larger than the average cyclist, so you know it's uh, figured. Well, probably be if you're going to error, be error on the side of a little too much. Right? Yeah, because I think naturally too, if you're just drinking too much, eventually your body with the riding, it's just going to kind of turn off and be like you're you're not thirsty, you know, unless you force. Yeah. If you start forcing it down too much, you're going to know you're like I'm I, I'm full. I don't need this. So yeah, I agree, I, especially for something like this. More is better. <laughs> It's not and always the, the case, but more is better. And you, you had a suggestion that uh, worked out well. I know when I was talking about, because I had on the 300, I didn't use any um, any food, solid food, except I brought some crackers along that, that seemed to just do well late in the ride, just kind of settle your stomach. And then you had suggested, you're like, crackers, that's the last thing I would eat. And you listed some things that you would eat. And yeah. you put fig newtons. And I was like, fig newtons. And I remember from my running years is like fig newtons on like really long runs. I like, so 
I had a pocket full of Fig Newtons from 100 miles on. And it's amazing how just a small Fig Newton every 15 minutes. Yeah. I ate those things from the 100-mile mark through the 400-mile in my left That's pocket. Awesome. I every, every 15 minutes, I just would pop one in. And it was just enough solid food to, mm-hmm. to keep you feeling full. And then um, uh, and, you, and, if, and it felt, I, mean, I felt like I could feel the energy kind of topping up. I, so at no point um, – at no point during this ride did I ever feel like I got anywhere close to being in trouble. Um, the only, I, if you look at the files, you'll see right around 400, a little before 400 miles, I backed it off a little because it started getting warm. It started getting into the upper 70s. And what my fear was, was I didn't want to have some kind of heat event. And it's like, I, I ended up riding 405 miles and then over. Yeah. Right? So, so yeah. I backed it off. And then once I got to about, um, there was 25 miles left to go. I was like, okay, I feel pretty good. So uh, just it's the body in. does weird things too. Like when you were talking about the temperature things, that's what I've noticed on long rides. Like even on a, I mean, I'm going to say long, not compared to this, but like on a yeah. 150, 160 mile, I was out one day and I, my like face was getting hot. And granted it was a little bit more in the summer here. So I don't know if it was just the sun, but I think you're just, burning so much food you're on the bike you're moving and i was like i could feel heat coming off of me and it got me a little worried i wasn't too far from home i'm like you know probably not supposed to be doing this but pushing things to the limit but it was yeah i was watching on the app you had sent me throughout the day and you know you finally hit i think i saw it at 370 and then it was maybe you had taken a pit stop or something but i remember refreshing and i was like he hasn't moved in a little bit. I'm like, maybe it's the app. I'm not going to worry about it. And I think I, maybe that's when I texted you. And then I was just like, I'm going to refresh this a little bit. And it had, I forget how it like blinked or whatever. And it was like four, you know, you were at the finish. And I was like, oh my God, he finished this. This is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it is so yeah, inspiringly. I, like it is, what? oh man. My kids asked me and my, and my wife before the ride, they said, well, do you think you can do it? And I said, well, I can remember from my marathon days. There's a big difference between running 20 miles and 26 miles. It doesn't seem like it's the average person, but it's like it is a big difference. And uh, so the same thing with this is like I went into it with a real healthy respect that there's a big difference between riding 300 miles and over 400 miles. And so uh, I made sure that even when it was like 250, 260, 280, it was, it was really interesting. People, there were you know the other crews are there, and you go past people, and they're like. You you got this. You're 300. There's nothing now. And I'm like, yeah. There's 140 miles left. <laughs> yeah. And I, I and your advice. Um, you sent me a a message a couple days before the ride and said, remember, no matter how far you're into this thing, you have a long way to go. And yeah. so I kept hearing that in my head. And so I think even at like even when I got to um, the high 300s, and uh, and there and there are mile posts on the uh, sure. on the trace. And so most of them, you know, I didn't pay attention to. But I did consciously watch, and I said, "Look, until this thing gets to under 20 miles, this is not done." And so, totally. you, know, you could you could very easily at 40 miles out um, mess up. So, that- so yeah. So I, that's why I was I was keeping it, you know, within. I, I never felt like I got into a place where you had to dig super deep, where you know you would couldn't dig yourself out of it. I, I kept mentally saying to myself, you know, leave a little reserve so that if, if you need it in the last you know, 10 miles or five miles for that matter, you know, be there. It's yeah. so we, we'll give credit to Whitney, who uh, is one of my buddies who does ultra stuff. He and his mantra is uh, there's a lot of late. What is it? There's a lot of later, later. And just always thinking like, you know, even 200 miles, you hit 120, you still have an 80 mile bike ride left. And so I was thinking of you when we were talking about things like that. And I thought of you when I was riding in North Carolina on the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway because I started seeing these mile posts. I'm like, man, I never thought about that. Will that mess with you if you're like, wait, it's only been a mile. I think it's good that you didn't really focus on them because that's yeah, like, geez, that could really screw with you. It's um, There's a group, a team I used to race with out of Oklahoma City, and they did a thing called the Beer Muta a playoff of Bermuda Triangle where you go Oklahoma City to Tulsa down to a southern city and back. It's 420 miles. And twice a guy has 
crossed to like 395, 400, and it just lights out. I think part of it might be the disadvantage of a group is you're riding at the group's pace. You're yeah. like you're talking about, you're excited in the first hundred miles. You're feeling great. Like it's a hundred mile ride Yeah, 300 miles later. And they, somebody had offered to like, I'm going to try and push you for 20 miles. And he's like, I, I need to get off the bike. Like it's over and has stepped yeah. off the bike and gotten in the van and just hasn't been able to complete it. And it's just like, Oh my God, how you wonder when you haven't gone that far, how have you gone that far to get off? But I think you're so smart in the way you approach of having the respect for it and thinking 20 miles, like sometimes it's lights out and you can't do yeah, no yeah, that's willing the pedals at that point. It is over. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's what, you know, I've, I mean, I knew even by halfway, I said, okay, I'm going significantly faster than I had, pl- you know, when I set the goal, when I had planned. So I said, when I got to the high 300s, I'm like, just back off a little bit you're going plenty fast you know it's um and and when you get to the end um you know you can pick it up at the last part because I, I was concerned a little bit about that when it started getting warm and and i saw um there were a couple guys i passed in the last 50 or 60 miles who were clearly struggling you know that had just you could tell they were getting close to the end of their day and i thought man i do not want to be in that situation no um, well so you finished ninth overall yeah, that I was really surprised with that. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I mean, you have people from all yeah. over the world. How many? Yeah. You know how many people did not finish? Ah, oh, gee, you know there there were probably um, six or eight. I mean, one woman who didn't finish. I don't know why. I mean, she's an eight-time Ram uh, finisher, and she has won Ram before. And so, and she, I was surprised she pulled out around three hundred miles or something. Maybe maybe she's mechanical. She certainly obviously. Oh. Far more experience. I mean, you can have a bad day. You can. Yeah, anybody can. But but there were there were a number of people who um and I, I didn't know that you know fortunately I didn't know that because uh, I think that would not have been a good thing to know. But yeah. when I, and and I didn't you, know, you you're kind of this alternate state when you get off the bike. So I didn't really I just hit stop on my Garmin, but I didn't really check any data until the next day. And then it was actually the wife of Doss Stephanie who was she was handling all the technical stuff. She. Uh, uh, the next morning we went out to get breakfast. She said, you were ninth overall in this thing. I said, and they don't really, they, because it's a national park service, they can't call it a race, but you know, there's a clock, they publish the results and yeah, they give yeah. medals out. So um, it's a went, went through it. Yeah. It went through it. And it's like, yeah, for a first attempt, like the, the fellow who is the race director, he said, well, so you're going to do Ram now, right? You've qualified for Ram. And I was like, well, this is what I was training for. Yeah. And he said, well, how many of these have you done before? And I said, this first one, he said, your first um, over a hundred mile ride has been this ride. Uh, he, said, you, he said, you may be onto something. You may have an aptitude for this. So I thought that that was encouraging. It's wild. I mean, it's a whole different scene too. Like, you know, if someone has done, this is good for other people. Like you'll meet a whole nother section of people of cyclists. Like, cause you go to Grand Fondos, you kind of see similar people, see similar sure. faces. I remember when we rolled up to the, uh, to the ultra gravel 350 mile ride we rolled in and we had it was me and my buddy patrick we drove out to iowa and uh we rode over to the registration and which i guess was a weird thing people were like did you ride over here we're like yeah the hotel's like right down the street but we rolled over in our kits we were like kind of just doing like making sure our bikes were ready to go and uh we didn't know anybody and people were kind of looking at us like who are these two guys and uh it was yeah. funny it was just a totally different scene um it was a really cool experience i was hopefully going to maybe go do, they call it horseshoe. I forget what the name of the race is now, uh, speckled horse. And it was going to be 200 miles. I think it got shortened because of like some course issue to 150 miles and like 20,000 feet of climbing or something. But because of COVID, I'm still kind of riding solo. So hopefully maybe next year, but yeah, it's something else, man. I, I just really, I still I'll say yeah. Having my mind the, around the, that number, the group. Of, yeah, I agree. The group of people that, that we met out there, everybody was welcoming. It, it's interesting. I guess it's a self-selecting group. Um, everybody knew what the heck they were doing. I mean, when you you get out, you know, you get out into the parking lot area. And of course, with COVID, everybody's socially distanced and far apart. And the start times were like every ten or fifteen minutes, but you could just tell people were moving with a sense of. 
efficiency and they had things organized and you'd see other crews uh, along the way. And then uh, you're like, yeah, these folks know what they're doing. And everybody, and everyone was very welcoming to that. Yes. And we were, this is brand new for, for, for me and for Dawson and Stephanie, we'd, we'd, uh, none of us had done anything like it before. So it was a, uh, it, it was a, it was a great experience from top to bottom in terms That's of. That's amazing. Uh, what do you think for somebody watching this that you're you're going to inspire a ton of people? I mean, I don't like to be I don't like to be ageist, but the fact I was telling my husband that you had done this, and he's he oh he rode 450 miles in a month. I said no in a day, and he's like, wait, how old is this guy? And I was like, I don't want. I mean, that is. I still tell people when I did my first, so I was a Cat Five. I went to do this local race. I think I came in like 14th or something and I looked at the list and they used to post ages. They don't always do it. And there was a guy who was 57 and a guy who was 53 and I'm looking through it. And I'm like, and I was 26. I'm like, how the hell did I get beat by these guys? And it yeah. always, there's always a local, you know, rider that, you know, guys at home that watch Todd Craig is this guy who's this diesel monster. And, you know, he taught me one thing in a bike race. He's like, you want to know how we're literally in a race. He's like, you want to know how to drop me? I'm like, yeah, I just couldn't get rid of this guy. He's like, change, change paces. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, slow down and then go hard. I won't be able to keep up. And I, I'm like, why is this guy telling? He didn't really care about the race. He's raced his whole life. He sure, sure. And grow and whatever. But what are maybe three things that um, I think you're prepared? You were prepared. I don't want to see your thunder. What are three things that if someone's like, man, I want to make a big goal, maybe someone who's only ridden 30 miles and wants to go to a hundred miles or a hundred miles. Yeah. What are three things I think too, I think the, the first thing, and you know, I learned this early on from our working together is don't get yourself blown up by your, uh, your local group rides. Um, those things, you know, they're enjoyable. I mean, I, I still like riding with the guys a couple times a month. Um, but if you're try if you have a goal, something like this, you do that once a week, mm -hmm. that is a very different path than, totally. than trying to get to something long like that. And, and I think that, you know, on the, I don't have a background in racing bicycles. So, you know, if you show up on these group rides and the perception is, well, everybody's at the same level of either fitness or level of rest, of course they're not. You know, there's some guys who are rested and who are treating this like a race. Other guys are coming into it as a training experience and they can derail more than just a day or two. I think it can derail your week or cycle. And so wrapping my head around that real early on was important. And, you know, we put in the schedule a few times, like free ride, do what you feel like doing. And so it was great to then go on those days, go ride with the guys and mm -hmm. do whatever happens, but to have the discipline to stay with the plan. Mm -hmm. I think that's, uh, you know, that's probably the most important thing. And then the other, I think number two is um, don't be afraid to have a, really big long-term goal um like the 400 uh plus ride you know i don't think there's any reasonable way if we look if we were talking about this a year ago you couldn't look at it and say that's realistic given where you are right now but set benchmarks in between it's those steps we're talking about and so to go from 100 to 200 you know, that's a 100 percent increase but mm -hmm. 200 to 300 is only a 33% increase and 300 to 400 is only a 25% increase. So I think that it actually gets easier, the deeper you go into the training. And then the other, the probably the most important thing I've learned from our working together is um, the benefit of those rest cycles is to truly be yes. disciplined on the rest. And, you know, that's true. I mean, I've, I've always believed in rest, but I mean, the, you've got me paying attention to the sleep and the nutrition on the rest days. And if you, and if you, I treat that as, you know, I, I sort of block that off and make sure even to not let outside activities on those rest days, you know, take my uh, energy in a different direction. And so that, um, the first couple of times I did that and then coming back into a, a new cycle, I was like, wow, this is something, um, how it builds, how it, it there's a snowball effect. It's over cycles. It's, it is incredible. And I think you have that, you just said it like, you know, when you're talking about the group ride, not only kind of taking things down a road for the next couple of days, it can screw the cycle up and people don't necessarily see that. Um, those are the athletes more that I try to explain to them. You're just exercising. You're not building. You're going out and getting tired and getting very tired. And neuromuscular fatigue is a massive thing that just it snowballs. And so when you're saying these rest cycles, the number of people that are like, man, 
two things. Number one, you make me train way harder than I ever would have trained on a micro and macro scale, but you make me rest so much. And people hate it at first, but then they see the benefit of like, you are literally absorbing all of that hard work from three weeks of training. Your body needs to absorb it. And usually after two or three days, they're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let me ride. I'm like, just wait. Like you're not ready yet. And I, I love that you said that because it is such a huge component that, I mean, even in my own calendar, I put in the rest week because by Wednesday I'm like, I want to go ride 60 miles, but like, that's not the game plan. And it's easy to lose sight of the forest when you're in the trees. Um, And I think that that's, and to have that discipline, it's hard. You got to give it the respect, uh, the rest cycle to deserve and if you and i think if you do that then uh, it gives you permission to obviously push on those harder weeks but that um that's been great i think you and i've been working together since february maybe or uh, no it was actually april it was it april oh my god yeah, yeah. so uh been, maybe i started reading your i started reading your stuff in february that's okay. when i started found you online yeah i think the first if i look back here Going well, that's a that's a quicker ramp up than i than i recall <laughs> well it was you know because within yeah. we started in april and i really that's the my biggest thing was and i was talking to somebody about 444 and he had assumed that i was talking about doing this myself and i said no man this guy came to me i don't know him as an athlete yet what my strategy is i need to see like you know where are you at like i can look at old files but it's it's hard to gauge, you know, you're not usually seeing an athlete like on a training calendar. And you had said in one of the emails, I'm good at keeping to a schedule. There's a lot of people that say that they're not so good at keeping to a schedule. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, how diligent is this guy going to be? So I think the first three weeks they were, you know, tempo stuff, things that should be home runs. If we're going to be doing 10 hour, 12 hour, 17 hour bike rides, um, you know, can you execute some intervals? Cause I still was under the, um, kind of thought process that I, you know, we were doing, some people might approach us with just doing like, well, he's going to be sub FTP riding. We're just going to do that. I've seen more people that do the same thing over and over again. They just get blunted. They get either mentally yeah. fatigued no, from it. They get, uh, you know, the physical, we need different stimulus in life. And and for cycling, I'm a huge believer of that. So I think some people would be surprised, like you were doing threshold stuff, you were doing maybe one block of VO2 max, but I'm in the mindset that if you can mentally understand what going hard feels like when you're going way easier on the event day, it's going to seem way easier. Like you were knocking out some solid threshold time. And even if it wasn't, you know, uh, two by 20 it was like hey i got 40 minutes of threshold today it's like great you're gonna that's an hour that's gonna be way easier on game day for you um and plus building up that ability to ride if something happened and you had to ride a little bit harder or you're trying to get through a rainstorm you can do that you're not gonna be like man i've never ridden this hard before uh um, oh, that, that 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 triggered a thought too so you had me do that test um what was that um power dip test no, there was something else where you sent the file off and somebody else analyzed it and it comes back. With oh, your, the inside test. Yes. The inside test. So th- the benefit of that, and obviously that's for, uh, you know, far more um, talented racers than I am, uh, you know, in terms uh-huh. of where I fall, fall on that thing. But, but the, but the benefit of that was, so I knew in my head from the analysis that um, the certain Watts that are basically, if you're keeping nutrition and you could burn forever, you know, on yes. that. And so, so when I was getting deep on these long rides, I knew because I had seen the science behind that and seen the report. I was like, you know, you're, I'm 20 Watts under what I could theoretically hold forever. So that gave me the confidence of like, just get through this little it. rough patch here. Yeah. You, your, your body can do it. You know, it's like you, you've got the ability to do it. So that thing was really valuable. And I've gone back and looked at that a few times. Um, especially as you getting into like a new cycle and trying to figure out, all right, well, where are you? And you go back and look at that. And I'm like, well, and they, they break those different graphs down. I can't even mm-hmm. keep them in my head, but to go back and reread that file and look at it. I'm like, that's, that's very helpful in terms of Good. giving you some uh, structural confidence of where, where we're going. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they uh, downplay how much they can actually physically do. And it's really cool to see, you know, there's different books and there's, 
I'm not a huge David, Gog, David Goggins fan, but, you know, he really started preaching a lot about how when we think we're done, we're only 40% of failure. And the cycling is a funny thing where, I mean, I've had a, I can't even count the number of rides where like, it takes two hours until I start feeling good. And usually it's on a Sunday ride, like a back-to-back ride. I'm like, man, I, this is tough. You keep pushing through and then you're like 60 miles in and all of a sudden like somebody flipped a switch. I'm like, man, I feel great right now. Okay. I don't think anybody knows what that is. What I, you know, I think it's part of the body wants to get some rest and you're telling, no, I'm still I'm out here riding. I'm, this is the lot you'll rest tomorrow, but we, we can definitely push more than we think. And there's a, the head of USA cycling, Jim Miller. I was talking to him on the phone probably maybe a month ago before he went out to worlds and we were talking about some training philosophies and he really is a big believer in that, that like you can do more than you think and athletes can do more. So it's, uh, it's good to hear you say that too. I mean, it's, I don't think, I'll, I don't know when I'll stop telling you how inspiring this ride is. It really, <laughs> it's incredible, man. I mean, I'm like, maybe I'll go ride a hundred miles this weekend. That feels like nothing now. You, you're going to step the bar up for so many people. It's, it's amazing. I'm excited to see where you're at, let's say in like July next year. Um, right. And the one thing too, you had talked about how when you were doing the gravel rides, you were up in Maine. So for people that do ride gravel, they know the difference that your body feels if you do hundred miles on gravel versus hundred miles on the road. Number one, you can't coast, but the physical aspect of it, but you were also pretty diligent with your weight training, which I think is huge for injury prevention, but I think also when you got to go do something for over 20 hours, like you want to be strong. Um, I think that was a really good thing that you, you, yeah, I don't lift, I don't lift with heavyweights by any, but, but I think the the consistency and then, um, uh, and and I've got a little setup in my barn. So when I'm up there and I, I've got dogs and chickens and stuff, we got a little outdoor area. So, uh, but, but I hit that stuff. And even sometimes on a, a weight training day, if I don't have enough time to do a 40 minute block, I'll do 20 minutes in the morning when I'm first up there and then do 20 minutes in the evening. But yeah, to not let that day go by and be a red day, you know, on, on training peaks, yeah. right? to make sure that thing's green. Um, and I think that in the, uh, that, that just, again, that snowballs as well. Big time. But when we finish, when you turn off the record, I got a question I want to ask you about about, um, uh, about the future. So when, when we finish the recorded portion, I want to talk about Sure, that. sure, sure, yeah. sure. Well, I'm good, man. We, we'll, we can cut this Great. here. Um, and actually, I'll just clip it out from, from the end here. So we'll – Okay. Man, all thank right. you. Well, well I'll, I'll say this. I'll say thank you for sharing all of this. I mean, this is extremely beneficial for so many people. Um, and I'm excited to see – just where things go for next year. So 